Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God Father, we just want to thank you for another Sunday to gather together and celebrate what you do through your community. And this is not a place for salvation. Salvations can happen here and we want that, but this is a place for the body of Christ to come together and celebrate what's happening. This is that space for the gathering of the people who love you and who will be loved by you and who say yes to you. So today, let us celebrate together. Thank you for worship. Thank you for Everyone that's here, thank you for Palm Sunday. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, last week Kara spoke, and I, I thought she did great. If you weren't here last week, we have a podcast. It's underneath our website, and the word that you want to click on is podcast. And the first one is Kara Lee, and she did an amazing job. So, I would encourage you to listen to that. Um, but she talked about, one of the things that really jumped out to me that she talked about was how when we're trying to create space, which is what we've been living in, we realize there's already a space created for us that Jesus is kind of waiting for. So it's not like we walk into a room and he's taking a nap and we're like, wake up, wake up, I'm coming. It's not like that. It's, he's, he welcomes us into a space that's already created. I thought that was great. Another thing she said, honestly, that was amazing was, we don't care, Lord, how you decide to show up. We want you. You come however you want. We'll create a space to say, you're welcome to be whatever you want for us. And kind of telling him, we don't get to decide what that looks like, which I just thought was great. She had five or six one-liners that were just amazing. And so these next two weeks, though, it's not like we're taking a praise break on what we're doing, but this will kind of shift into how Jesus has created a space for us. And this is the thing that made all that possible. So from right now until next Sunday, there's a reason why churches really, really celebrate this. There's a reason, you know, I don't understand why there's so many invites. I'll just say that. I don't understand why on Easter 
That's the day we invite everybody. I don't understand that. I've done it before. You know, he's Easter every day, right? He's Easter tonight at home. He's Easter three weeks from now. He's Easter in October. Easter, it, I guess it becomes a Sunday where we can really like pad the stats and take pictures. I'm so glad we haven't done that. I'm so glad we're not doing that. I would actually encourage you that if you have somebody you really want to know the Lord, invite them to your table. Um, invite them to your home. Invite them into your story. Invite them to know your Jesus. Because if it comes from you and through you, it's going to be much more beautiful. Right? They're not coming to a show or a spectacle to see, you know, to see our Jesus. We bring that more beautifully one-on-one -on -one outside of these walls. Do that. I hope you're encouraged to do that. I hope that you know that there are people all around you that are waiting to hear what it is that lives in you. Hear about it. Why do you care about Jesus, right? And this just kind of reaffirms that. I do believe in the local gathering of the body. I believe in it. That's why we're doing it. I do believe it's biblical to be a part of a community. I believe there's no other way. I believe that's the tool for the gospel. This is where we're refined. This is where we find out if we're idiots. Because we all are at times. This is where we find out we're not as gifted as we thought we were. And maybe we have some gifts we had no idea about. This is where we find out what it is to know the scriptures. This is where we find out what it is to worship together. To see miracles happen. To see prayer happen. This is where we fall in love with people who are totally different from us and don't deserve our love. And vice versa. So I say all that to say it is a beautiful day. I will say Easter to me is not about an invite to a church. Just know that. Easter to me is about this moment that made everything change. This moment that changed everything. And this Sunday, the, the Passion Sunday, or Palm Sunday today, is the Sunday that he kind of looks at the world and says, it's time. It's the one where he kind of raises his eyes and looks at us and says, it's time. Okay? I've been here for 30 years, 33 years. It's time. That was a beautiful time in my life, all those 33 years of it. This is the reason I came to earth. And so I kind of started to think about the things that draw our attention to things, you know. And when I'm trying to figure out what's happening in the world, the first thing I do is I pick up my phone, I lock into Twitter, and then I look on that little left side that has the trends. And I still don't understand if it's just local trends or if it's national or even worldwide. Do you guys understand this? But I know that the one, two, three, four, not the one that's an ad, right? You know what I'm talking about? There's a one, two, three, and four. That's like the big things happening on earth. So a couple days ago when there was people standing in the middle of the street to block a political candidate to get to his, that was the number one. I was like, it's whatever blocks people from going. And the number two is March Madness or 64 whatever, you know, and you can, and there's a buzz created around it. I'm trying to think about the times when Jesus really draws our attention to his eyes. One that jumps out to me in my life, and you all have them, and you all will have more was the moment I've shared with you before where I was at a friend's church. A man walked over and started praying for me and knew my name, and he didn't have any way to know it. I'm, I'm not here to tell you that's the end of the gospel. There was enough for me to be like, what is going on right now? There's no reason for this to be happening. That was not my salvation. There was nothing about that that saved me. Does that make sense? But what it did was it stuck its finger into my brain and heart and said, Something is noticeably different here, and you need to be paying attention. So what I love that the Lord did was he put me in a family that lived differently than anything I'd ever seen. I got to be a part. Now, I have a beautiful family. 
But I got to be a part of a community of believers that loved differently than I'd ever seen a church do it. Things like stay in my home. Things like whatever you need, we're going to take care of. Things like we care about you and actually living that out. So it was this really interesting time where something really large scale happened in me that I couldn't avoid. I mean, if you avoid that, that's kind of dumb, right? Like anybody, if it's whoever, whatever branch of whatever, if that's happening, you kind of got to be like, okay, what's happening right here? Why is this happening? But it led me to look into, it was like, here's an aha moment, now let's look into this. Because my salvation wouldn't come from that moment. It's a beautiful moment. My salvation would come from something differently. The things that started to stir my heart for the Lord were when people didn't pay people back for things they had done wrong. Seeing a community of believers that stopped casting stones at one another. Seeing that in their community, people could be a part of the community that shouldn't be a part of the community. Seeing that everyone had a place at a table and you didn't have to be a certain way. You could have questions. You could be wrong. You could sit out in front of the church and smoke cigarettes as their church members walked in and they still loved you. I don't even know why that was a good choice for me. I don't know. I was thinking back about it. It's probably not a great promotional tool for the church. But they didn't fix me so that their church people wouldn't be offended. They planted a deep, deep seed in me that said, I see into you, I love you, I'm here for you. And I love how the Lord used a moment where a random guy that was a a prophet, a lot of people claim to be that, this guy knew my name and said some other things, he used that moment to draw me into the gospel. You know? Because the world doesn't need a thousand more miracles. The world needs more gospel. The world needs more people who will turn their other cheek when they're slapped. Not someone who will heal it and be like, see, you slapped me, but I'm not even hurt. We're, we're still waiting, some of us, for a version of the gospel that was never supposed to happen. So Palm Sunday is the day when he says it's time, and the Jewish community was ready for this. There's messianic prophecies all throughout the Old Testament that said, you have a Messiah coming, And when he comes, he's going to do these things and these things. He's going to be a conqueror. He's going to ride into town on a donkey. All these things. You're you're having him come. And and the Jewish community had a really tough time. And so when news starts to break that there is this Messiah possibly on the scene named Jesus who happened to have raised Lazarus from the dead, all these eyes start to turn in on this figure, Jesus, right? Right? So he has attention. He's, he has momentum. He's been doing miracles. He's been collecting people. He's been ruffling feathers. But that wasn't the purpose. Those were things that got people's eyes to look towards him. A miracle drew people's attention. And then Jesus had what I would call his finest week that everyone would disapprove of. I want to read to you John 12, 9 through 26. The reason I choose NIV, guys, and it's just me being honest, it's not that I think it's the best, okay? A little NIV jab. I just know most people have NIV. Um, I know that's what most of you have. I would choose the NASB or the ESV, okay? You smell what I'm stepping in? So if you have the NIV, we are all judging you. Just kidding. We all have the NIV. I think this Bible is the NIV. That's why I choose it, because I know there's two theologians out there that are like, why do we keep using this version, the nearly inspired version? You know? So, anyway. 
We, we digress. I digress. All right. I want to pray real quick. Father, we just, we thank you for the story that's being read in churches all over the world right now. I thank you for your Holy Spirit, which brings it to life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. John 12, 9 through 26. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in Jesus. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it as it is written. Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all of this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida and Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, would you like to see Jesus? Philip went to to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. I'm going to pray again. Jesus, we thank you. This is significant. This is huge. This is bigger than... This is just big. It's huge. This is the most clear picture this next week of who you are that we'll see. The most clear example of who our Creator and Savior is will be through this. And so we say yes to you and we say thank you. So what I want to do today, just for the next few moments, is I want to talk to you about two Gospels. Everybody say two Gospels. Now, how many Gospels do we know that there actually are? There's one. <laughs> four, actually, yes. <laughs> she said four. <laughs> okay, in terms of being written in word, yes. In terms of the actual story, the good news, how many? <laughs> That's great. Um, there's one, okay? But as we start this story and we start to look at what's happening, I want to propose to you that a bunch of people receive the first, the very first gospel that's not Jesus, and they're all in, okay? And what's happening here, you're seeing, and you saw the kids walking around. Did you guys see the kids walking around? 
Just beautiful and messy. I love it. The word Hosanna means save now, okay? And palm branches are emblems of victory. So what we think is happening in this story is this welcoming of our Savior, whom we love and adore. This is not what's happening in this story. There's a clear directive and a clear reason these people are worshiping and screaming for Hosanna. And it's to come and do one thing, destroy our enemy. The desire of the Jewish people is that Jesus would show up on the scene, that he would lock arms with them, and he would declare war on the people that are oppressing them. Does this make sense? Their desire is not for a donkey, okay? Their desire is for a king that's a conqueror to come and destroy our enemies. So the first gospel, people are all in. This will actually be the loudest Jesus will be cheered for. This will be the moment he's cheered for louder than any other moment. The only other time the noise level kind of compares is when this same crowd is screaming, crucify him. The only other time the sound level. So the loudest he'll be cheered for is when they're cheering for someone that's not even him. He shows up, and this is why I think when I preached the message two weeks ago about going into the desert for 40 days, this is the kind of thing I think that that was being clarified in him. You're going to ride into a city that demands that you destroy their enemies, and you're going to tell them, I'm not here to do that. You're going to look into the... And there's over 2 million people that showed up for this. 2 million people showed up for this feast, the Feast of Passover. And people are there following him because he had just raised a dude from the dead. And so people either want more miracles or people want destruction for the Pharisees. And I love what he does. What if this gospel would have been the gospel? Okay? I hope I don't hit too close to home with some people here. I kind of hope I do. What if this was the gospel? What if he showed up and he killed everyone and he gathered his people and said, I told you guys, I was coming, we won. Got the W, put it in the Jesus win column, right? Won nothing. What if that would have been the gospel? We kind of feel like it's easy to look back on right now and say, well, that would be stupid. What would have happened? Like, what, what would our version of the gospel now be today? And how eerily similar is it to some of the gospel that we see being lived out? Us versus them, right? This version of the gospel that has a conqueror coming to destroy our enemies puts a clear human as your enemy. When Jesus is trying to say to them, you're asking for me to destroy the same thing that lives in you. So if you're looking for me to come and kill an enemy as I show up, you're asking that you be the one destroyed as well. Because he's trying to alleviate this us versus them mentality. He's trying to tell them, I have the ability. I have the the ability to be your ally that looks in the face of an enemy and makes an enemy an ally. Not an ally that destroys an enemy. And they weren't happy with this. And we wouldn't be either. How do you know if this is something that maybe you've, you've subscribed to gospel number one? The gospel of my conqueror comes to destroy my enemies. How do you know? Do you struggle with performance all of the time? Is there a certain group of people that you must be like? Is there a certain way that you have to be? Because if you're not, I imagine in this crowd of people chanting Hosanna, there were people who wondered, oh crap. I just said that, I'm sorry. Forgive me. There's a lot worse words that could be used right there. There had to be people within that community that was screaming Hosanna, but thinking, 
oh my gosh, am I possibly someone that he wants to destroy? Like, Hosanna! And like, <laughs> and then like hold the tax collector in front of you. Because he's evidently worse, right? And Jesus kills the worst ones, of course, but not me, because I'm kind of good. The same thing lives in all of us, right? The enemy of Jesus is not a group of people. The enemy of Jesus is not someone who can be destroyed by him. The enemy of Jesus is fear and vengeance and I'll pay you back. The enemy of Jesus is greed and lust. The enemy of Jesus are things of this world. And those things live in all of us. And so you are an enemy of Jesus if this is your gospel. And so thank you, Jesus, that that's not what you came to do. Thank you, Jesus, that you didn't come to kill the bad people. Thank you that you come to sit next to the bad people. Because we're all the bad people. All right? Terrible message. You're all terrible people. Thank you that Jesus doesn't examine us on how bad we are. Because the guy who studied the law all day and then heaped coals on their heads was just as bad as the guy whispering in the background in this passage saying, we probably need to kill Lazarus too. All of them. So he doesn't even look at them as enemies. He shows up and he says, I will sit with you. I will stand with you. I will be with you. Because all of us needed to be destroyed, right? In that gospel. What does fear do here? If fear is the enemy, what does fear do here? Fear sees Jesus and wants, him to, wants to show you need to either kill that or I'm killing Jesus. And I think we all have that opportunity in our life. When we start to listen to fear, we run from Jesus or we want to show how bad others are. In this first version of the gospel, and also in this first version of the gospel where he's destroyer, you rarely live up to the mark. You are your own worst critic. You know that you deserve punishment, and so that also pushes you away in this first version of the gospel, because that's what fear does. So here's what he chose to do. Because he couldn't look at everybody and talk to them and have two, th- there's roughly 2.7 million people here for this, for this feast, Okay? He couldn't sit down and be like, listen, I know that you think I'm here to kill everyone. I love your heart for war. I love that you love to hurt people. Um, But I'm actually here not to do that, but I'm actually here to be peace. I'm actually the prince of peace, and I actually am coming to give even your enemy peace. And so he couldn't couldn't say that, right? So he had to choose a way. And I always thought like a donkey was a little bit like Jesus trying to be funny. Like, I'm on a donkey, guys. Get some of that. I'm the king of everything, I'm on a donkey. That's not typically what's happening here. When a conqueror or a king would return to a city after a war or before a war, you would know why he was there based on the animal he rode. If he was bent on war or coming back from a victory, he would ride a horse. Everybody say horse. Horse. See? Horse. If he was there in peace, even kings or princes, he would ride into town on a donkey not because I just want to say the real word for donkey I can't see you assume that I would but I would never do that and this I would never do that I would never do that as sure as I am here that would not be something that I would step into I wouldn't do that 
That was one of the funnest things I've ever done here. (laughs) So he shows up, and this is how he tells a giant crowd, I'm not here for war, but they don't even care. They They don't even see that. This must be like a funky-looking horse, because it's not a donkey, because a donkey means peace, and a donkey means he's not here for war. But we know he is, because we have an enemy, and he, the enemy needs to be destroyed, right? Because that's what Christians do. We destroy our enemies because we get rid of them, right? You don't want to live in a Christianity where your enemy is destroyed, because you are the enemy of someone. You will always be an enemy if there is an enemy. Does that make sense? So everyone deserves the gospel. No one is excluded. And so he shows up on a stinking donkey to make a a stance to say, I'm here as a prince of peace. I'm not coming to side with you. I'm not coming to side with you. I'm not coming to show that America is the chosen nation of the world and all others must bow to us. I'm coming to say, you're all in need of a savior. And it doesn't matter the color of your skin, slave or free, gender, everyone. Everyone. Don't desire an enemy. If your Christianity has an enemy, you can be the enemy. You don't want to be the enemy of Jesus. You don't. Because as you know, he'll ride a donkey into your house. And it'll be an awkward conversation about peace. Amen? Because for him, and this is what I love, like John writes this passage, and John doesn't even have a clue when this is happening. He says, and they were, see John's talking, he said, and they were unaware. He's actually talking about himself. He was there. I was unaware what was happening. I I wouldn't even know about this until the ascension. I wouldn't know about this until the death and resurrection, until Jesus is gone, and I'm looking back to see that we all had this wrong. He was coming for a whole different reason, right? Like, this is the worst military strategy ever. Guys, I'm coming to die. No, no. That's not right, Jesus. That's, that's a loss. I don't know if you know that in war, if you die, they win. And I'm sure you are confused by that because this is a big week for you. I know this is a big week for you. You've been prepping your whole life. You got confused. Listen, we have weapons. We have weapons. Let's use them. Right, Jesus? You don't have to die. I kind of think if he wanted to take over the world that way, he would have done it when he was taken out to be tempted. When it was offered to him by the world. No, he said, I'm riding in and I'm cheering. I'm hearing you cheer for me now. And it's awkward because you're cheering for something in me that's not even there. I didn't come to destroy them. I come to set them all free. Even Greeks in this passage start to take interest in Jesus. That didn't happen. He's like, every barrier and border that you have is about to be demolished. Every enemy is about to be possibly a friend. Right? Because it's not the absence of something that the gospel brings. It's the presence of someone. He doesn't look at us and prompt. See, this is why we can't live in our Christian bubbles. This is why it's not about only here, always here. Raise your kids only around Christians. This is not the gospel. That's not the message of the gospel. Should we have good Christian brothers? Absolutely. That's how the world knows if we're the real deal. How well we love one another. But he, come not, he didn't come to say... Now you'll have the absence of terrible things. He came to say, now you'll have the presence of me in the midst of the world. A whole different reality. That way you can stand in the midst of a crowd screaming crucify you and have peace. That way you can walk through what you're walking through right now and he can be present with you right now. You don't have to wait till it's alleviated. Does that make sense? 1 John 4, 8. If you could bring this up, pretty please. 
Is it behind me? It's not behind me. I didn't want it to be yet. Is it behind me now? Did I put that one in there? Four eight. Do I have four eight? Do I have a Bible on them anymore? Somebody bring. Who wants to read it? Daniel, First John four eight. We just got first century right here. We're just kicking it first century. That's what we do. You made it sound a little bit like you were on it. Like I have a Bible in my car. I'll be right back. First John four eight. Thank you. Who has First John four eight? I said it wrong. I'm sorry. She's got it. All right, please. First John four eight. He who does not love God does not know God, for God is love. Amen. That's actually the wrong passage, but you read the right passage. Okay, I think we just got we went before first century, like before Jesus came. Sorry, Leslie. There is no fear in love. Okay. 1 John 4.18. I'm sorry. You had it right from the beginning. You pull it up. Oh, I'm terrible. Terrible ministry thing. Judith is on it. Okay, I'm going to read it. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And so this new, so back in, this new gospel, this gospel round two that much less would say yes to and no one would scream for was the real gospel. And it's the gospel that said, I'm bringing peace to you. It's the gospel that looks at you and says, if you could just wait for a moment, this group of people had to look. If they were to go back and and put themselves back in the situation, having the news, the good news, he would be saying to them, I need you to trust me. I need you to be patient. I'm about to do some stuff that you did not see coming, that you did not want. It's not the version of me that you're going to want to tell your friends about right now, but it's going to be the one that's most beneficial for you, and it's going to be the best thing. And so I want to just ask you this question as we wrap up. Which gospel is bringing you salvation? Which gospel are you needing, this is the first gospel to me. Somebody's done some kind of miraculous thing and it has sparked your interest and you are interested in all in, but you're maybe noticing that there's no salvation in that. There's just eyes on it. Or maybe the first gospel for you is, this all is terrible, come and destroy it, whatever it is. I'm waiting on you to do that because if you're Jesus, you're coming to do that. And you have enemies you can point at, and you have awful things you can point at. Are you, are you still ascribed to the first gospel? Because news break, a lot of America is. A lot of America still believes that we have an enemy that needs to be destroyed. And that that enemy is not loved by Jesus. And that is not the gospel. It doesn't matter what room you're in in the world right now. Every human that has breath in their lungs is loved by Jesus. Even if the human's name rhymes with Madoff Mittler. It's a couple names that can rhyme with that. Or Mosama Min Laden. 
See, that's the awful truth about this love that we don't like. You're telling me Jesus loves the guys in ISIS. I'm telling you Jesus loves the guys in ISIS. Deal with that how you must, but that's the gospel. As much as he loved the same guy that wanted to kill him, and that would eventually turn to him. He loves every human, and so human is not your enemy. Now what lives in you and them, that is our enemy. The fear. Because fear will make us do things. Fear will make us protect everything that's ours so that we stay safe, right? (laughs) You're the new Sarah. You're the new Sarah. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. There's really no reason for me to say it. I would only be on a soapbox, and I'm trying to learn that I don't need to just be on a soapbox, okay? I don't always have something to say. Amen? Amen. 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 But I will say this. <laughs> I will say this. Actually, I'm going to ask you this question, okay? You right now are being taken back to this story, and you are at the city gates, and Jesus is coming into town. Don't do too much with the story. I did this to Sarah last night. She's like, wait a second, am I Jewish or am I Greek? I was like, are you, f-? I was like, are you kidding me? Just be in the story. She's like, am I old or young? I don't know how to do this. You're you right now, and you're being taken back to this story. And you're seeing Jesus come into town. And everybody around you is going, Hosanna, Hosanna. And they're waving palm branches. And people are probably saying other things like, kill the stupid whatever. When he passes you, like, that's what today is. When he passes by you and you lock eyes with him, what response is stirred in you? Are you like, yeah, Jesus, Woodstock, baby. I kind of feel like, for me, I want to cry when I think about that. I want to cry. Like, even talking about it now, I was like, oh, man, this is about to be really hard for you, isn't it? This is about to be really hard for you, man. Thank you. Like, what you're about to do is going to change the history of the world. And everybody here has no clue. I'm really thankful. I'd be like, shut up, people. Shut your mouths. Sarah said she would get down on her knees and worship. And I think she's probably just trying to be super Christian. I'm like, no. I'm like, that happens. I see him. Oh, because you don't even want to stop him, but you want to stop him. You're like, oh, thank you. That's the only response I can think I would say is thank you so much. I'd, I'd lock and be like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I just walk with him. Thank you so much. And then I feel like he'd be looking at me saying, And I feel like he'd pass by to the guy screaming for him and say, I'm doing this for you. And that guy didn't even understand. And then there's a guy on the hill that's got a plan to kill him. And he looks at him and he says, I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for you. I love you. You're worth it. What would you do? That's Palm Sunday. That's the story of Palm Sunday. Second question. (laughs) This is freaking stupid. Jesus rides a donkey into your life, okay? It's happening. Think of the people in your life. Like, think of the people near you. Is there someone you want the Jesus on a donkey not to go to? Is, like, if Jesus shows up on a donkey and he's like walking around in your life, what's he whispering to the people around you? 
Are there people that you think he shouldn't go to? You know? Because this story is the story about destroying barriers, tearing down walls, showing that that enemy, if he's an enemy, then you're an enemy. Are there people in your life that deserve to be punished? That Jesus is like, I'm going to ride over to this person on my donkey, and you're going to like it. And you don't want him to? Or, final point, is the donkey just riding? <laughs> this longest donkey closing ever. I've kind of become an donkey. See what I did? Does Jesus just on this donkey walk up to you and say, you've had it all wrong. I came to bring you peace. Who just needs peace? Like, Have you experienced Jesus' peace? Have you actually experienced? I had a moment once in a service that I definitely didn't deserve it. If it was anything, I deserved to be punished. And like that, like you could cut peace with some type of something. It was so strong, it was more than just, I'm kind of happy. I felt like peace landed on me. Have you ever experienced that before? Maybe the donkey is walking over to you right now and saying, I've been screaming this at you all along. Peace, I come in peace. I come riding on a donkey. Be at peace, be not afraid. I'm here, I'm here for you. I love you, you're worth it. Trust me, be at peace. And he inserts himself in your life as peace, not as conqueror. God, that's good stuff. That's our Jesus. So if you'll stand with me, Justin and um, Camille, thank you so much for doing ministry time. Listen, if you need to just picture a donkey walking around in the sanctuary for a little bit, you do that. I don't care. But more than anything, recognize what he did for you, what he's doing for you. And he's not walking by you saying, see, moron, that's what I was trying to tell you I was wanting to do. That's not what he's doing. He's saying to you, peace, peace, peace. Peace be still. I'm the prince of peace. Peace be with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give it as the world gives it. Peace, peace. His whole message is about making peace. It's about destroying barriers, making peace, making peace, peace. Jesus is in moments of peace. He's not in moments of fear. So Father, today as we as we approach Easter and, and the Last Supper, as we approach this moment of the cross that is made available for all, your presence, we ask for this presence of something, not the absence of something, but the presence of a Jesus. So we invite, just for a few moments, just invite him in. Invite the donkey in to ride around your stress and your frustration and right around your enemy. Invite the peace, the Jesus of peace in. And in whatever way you really believe that he is leading, respond to him. I do say this and I do believe this. I believe he wants to speak to you. And I, as I prayed last night and this morning, I believe he wanted you to ask, what is it that you want to say to me, Lord? And just for the next few moments, just give him space. Now, if you feel like you need to go, we want to create a space in the sanctuary for people, for ministry and for seeking. So if you stay in this room, please be aware of that. If you decide it's time to go, Father, I pray that you would go with them, that you would lead them with peace.
that you would help them go to sleep with peace and wake with peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.